It's a Sunday in late September. A grizzly bear makes her way through a thick forest. She's near the Goat River. It's a tributary that runs into the Fraser River in British Columbia. In the distance, you can see mountains. This could almost be wilderness. But decades and centuries accumulated other uses, like gold mining and forestry. There's a village about a 45-minute drive southeast from where the bear is. Around her are access roads running through this forested area. And at least two people are nearby, a hunter and a guide. The bear walks near a forestry road. The people see her. Maybe she doesn't see them or smell them. Maybe she does, but she doesn't know to be afraid. Either way, it's too late. They shoot. Nearly 500 kilometers northwest of where she was born, from where she had lived since she was a cub. She dies here in British Columbia, near the Alberta border, just two months after being moved here from her home range. She's six and a half years old when she dies. Her death is legal. British Columbia's trophy hunt will end in just a couple months. But for a lot of people, this grizzly bear isn't just any bear. She was called Bear 148. For the narwhal, this is Bear 148, the story of grizzly bears in Alberta told through the life and death of one particular grizzly. I'm Molly Siegel. I'm a radio journalist and I live in the Bow Valley. When I moved here, it was a bit of a culture shock. This is the first place I've lived where people and wild animals, including some of Canada's biggest carnivores, live so close to one another. Grizzly bears sometimes become well-known in the community. And you could say that Bear 148 was one of those local celebrity bears in the Bow Valley. So why did this particular bear make the news? Why did so many people care about what happened to her? And what led to her being so far from home, where she was killed by a hunter on Sunday, September 24th, 2017? That's what I've been trying to figure out. And I don't mean I've been looking for some kind of smoking gun. This isn't so much a who done it, But there was a series of events and decisions leading up to her death that had a lot of people in the Bow Valley and in the province thinking about this bear. Bears have personalities like we do. And I was aware that she was one of those bears that was not in a state of anxiety when people were around. 148 had that laissez-faire personality. Don't bug me, I won't bug you. I think with 148, I think the thing that a lot of people don't understand is it's not that we thought of her as a mascot or a pet. I think it's just that, you know, she lived six and a half years here, her mother before that. I think people just really wanted to see her succeed and, and stay on the landscape. Certain areas, certain bears gain a, a greater profile. 148 has been in the news, um, you know, she walks across the parking lot and she's on the front page of a national newspaper. So people come, came to know her and, you know, you come to know something then you feel attached to it and something bad happens and you feel bad. 
Grizzly bears navigate a very complex landscape and we've drawn all of these lines on a map and we've said, okay, over here, do this and this will happen and do that and this will happen over there. And it's a very complex rule book and um, bears can't read. So we have bears annually who don't, do not become management issues. And that was not the case that we experienced with 148. But because of 148's uh, public exposure, like our management options were different because, because of the public relationship with that bear. I just felt at that time everybody was really out to, to get 148. It would be great if 148 was recognized as a little female wearing a collar and not a trophy animal. We should have been able to keep her in the landscape. 148 is this bear that people have an emotional attachment to for many reasons. Well, yes, oh boy, what if, what if that thing would have happened, which has happened in the Bow Valley in the past, right? I'm sure you're aware of Bear, Nine, bear 99. There was a human fatality as a result. Bear 99 was a male grizzly bear. And back in 2005, that bear had been seen at a golf course in Canmore and was moved out of the area. But it returned and killed a woman who had been jogging. I've included this story because this is what the province says is at stake when its wildlife experts are trying to figure out whether or not a bear like 148 is a threat to people. Something like this is their worst case scenario. Before I dive into the events that led up to Bear 148's death, I want you to get a sense of who this bear was to people. She lived most of her life in Banff National Park and spent a lot of time pretty close to town. We are currently just outside the town boundaries in Banff and we have a beautiful view of Mount Rundle and Sulphur Mountain and the clouds, the atmosphere, the temperature, everything's perfect today. This is Mark Bro. He lives in Banff. I like to come out and uh, see if I can see nature. And can you describe for me uh, who Bear 148 was? She was an extremely pretty bear. Um, she, she was small for a grizzly bear. She was just beautiful. She had a beautiful face, a beautiful look in her eyes, almost a twinkle in her eye if, if you could see her close enough. Bear 148 took over her mother's territory which was basically in and around the town of Banff. Were you able to recognize her when you would see her around? Absolutely. The minute she would walk out, I, I would know exactly which bear she was. Mark likes to grab a coffee before work and spend some time outside, often with his camera. I saw her at the same pond eating goose eggs out of goose nests, which was probably a highlight for me. Um, I've also watched her in another pond catching fish and eating fish. She would catch one, take it out of the pond, eat it. Then she'd head back into the pond and catch another fish. So those were probably the two most memorable. Can you describe to me where we are and, and what we're looking at right now? Well, we're on the, what's called uh, the green spot on Mount Norquay, which is most of the way up to the ski hill from the town. It's a little natural opening in the forest, and we're looking down across the Bow Valley. This is Kevin Van Teagum. He was superintendent of Banff National Park before he retired in 2011. He's also written a book about bears called Bears Without Fear. 
From where Kevin and I sit, we can see the town of Banff nestled in the valley bottom. And from this vantage, you can pretty much see most of where Bear 148 spent her time. So you can see the Vermilion Lake wetlands, and at the very toe of the wetlands, the town of Banff. And it's uh, sort of sprawled its way across the valley and filled in most of the available habitat between um, Vermilion Lakes and the highway. The first time Kevin saw Bear 148, she was just a cub. First time I ever met her was uh, as a cub uh, with her mother, trying to navigate a big traffic jam full of people with cell phones. So they were moving from one patch of habitat to another, and they encountered a road. So everybody stopped, everybody piled out of their cars, they were all taking pictures. People get into this sort of uh, mob mentality, lose their heads and follow the crowd. And so the bears were being squeezed. And I watched that mother, I watched her look, repositioned herself, and then just did a little beeline uh, through the thinnest part of the crowd with her cubs right at heel, got across the road, looked around, and then went into the woods. For everybody that was there, it was an entertaining experience. For her, it was a challenge in getting on with their daily life. And so she was raising her cubs and teaching them how to survive in this landscape. That's why Bear 148 did so well here because she was raised by a good mother and, and introduced to this landscape in a, in, a, in a very careful manner. This is a, a situation where we had a bear that was perfectly trained and perfectly competent to live in close quarters with us. That's the kind of bear you want to live with. But we couldn't because we couldn't manage ourselves. It was never a problem of managing bears. It was a problem of managing selfish individuals. And unfortunately, there's an awful lot of selfish individuals in any human population. Starting in the spring of 2017, when Bear 148 came out of hibernation, she started to make the news pretty regularly. Because she lived close to the town of Banff, people saw her a lot. Parks Canada didn't consider the interactions to be a threat, but a lot of them did make the news, locally and beyond. But then things got even more complicated when she left the park and spent time in and near Canmore, just 20 kilometers east of Banff. By late July 2017, senior wildlife managers with the province of Alberta made the call to capture her and transport her by helicopter to a location nearly 500 kilometers northwest of her home range. Two months later, she was shot by a hunter in British Columbia. The thing that first got Bear 148 on my radar was an encounter she had with three hikers and a dog in early May of that year, not far from Mount Norquay. When you hear Kevin talk about this, it's important to know that in Banff National Park, by law, you have to keep your dog on a leash, which means Parks Canada can charge someone for having a dog off leash. But that doesn't always deter people. Once she was on her own, without her mother's protection, uh, and with all the people there in this valley, she kept running into people. And a lot of the people she ran into had dogs. And a lot of people make exceptions for their own dogs. They let the dog off the leash. But dogs are dogs. And dogs are basically animals that are, you know, they, they will charge anything they see as a threat to themselves or to the people they're with, their pack. Uh, they'll investigate curious noises and sounds. From a bear's point of view, they're just a pest. And poor 148, she kept running into dogs. Quite often dogs off leash and they chased her. And that's a very stressful experience. For, from her point of view, that's, that's a predation attempt. And so she really developed a, an antipathy towards dogs. She didn't like dogs. And I don't blame her one bit because her experiences with them were all negative. So we started hearing about aggressive encounters between bear 148 and people. 
And one of them took place right up near here, right at Mount Norquay. Well, when you look at the details of that account, that dog was off-leash. The bear did not chase the people. The bear chased the dog. The dog went to the people. The bear never was focused on the people. It was always focused on the dog. That bear was being accused or being assumed to be a problem for people where she was actually fairly comfortable with people, but she was really unhappy with dogs. And unfortunately, a lot of people have dogs with them. Just months after this happens, Bear 148 will be dead. There's a lot more to know about dogs and grizzly bears, and I'll be getting into those details later in this podcast series. But the reason I include this particular story now is because from there, things will unfold very quickly. Bear 148 will travel outside of the park to the neighboring town of Canmore, and she will find food, not human food, but the stuff she's supposed to eat dandelions and buffalo berries. But she'll find some of those things in an area where people live and where people like to walk their dogs or cycle. And that's where things will get really tricky, not just for Bear 148, but for all wild animals. Leaving a national park and entering provincial and municipal lands. Inside the national park, there's a different set of rules for grizzly bears than there is outside of the park. I hope you'll join me as I look back at Bear 148's life to try and piece together all of those complicated details about our fractured landscape, about our own actions as people living in and visiting the Bow Valley, or any area with wild animals, and all the little things that added up to Bear 148 dying so far from her home. Thanks for listening to Bear 148. On the next episode of Bear 148, when she was moved and then died far away from her home, there was an outcry of support for Bear 148 in the Bow Valley. The community was invested because it became a daily part of their life. And when you lose something and you try so hard to keep it alive, it's devastating. And people got angry and there were conspiracy theories and it's not been something that people have easily moved on from. This podcast was created by me, Molly Siegel, with editorial support from Emma Gilchrist and Carol Linnett. Cover art for our show by Justine Wong. Bear 148 was made with the support of the Yellowstone to Yukon Conservation Initiative and the Alberta chapter of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. I'm Carol Linnett. I'm one of the co-founders of the Narwhal. And we're asking listeners of Bear 148 to come forward to be members of the Narwhal. As a reader-funded publication, we don't advertise and we don't have investors. But what we do have is an engaged public that helps us produce the independent and investigative Canadian environmental journalism that we're known for. If you appreciate the work that went into this podcast, please support it. 
Right now, we're asking our listeners to become monthly members, and you can do exactly that at the narwhal.ca slash member. Thank you.